Start again. Come on. You can do better than that. <laughs> Hi, James. You can say, what did you think of that article I sent you? Okay, okay. All right, here we go again. Hi, James. Hello, Catherine. Real quick, what did you think of that article I sent you? Can you not hear it in my voice already? Well, I can, but I'm waiting for more. You are so lucky that we are not recording in person. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, was it? I, I knew it would trigger. I throttle someone right now. Oh, my gosh. And, and well, not, not someone. You. No, not me. I didn't make this You're the up. one who sent me this article. I know, but I didn't start the process. I mean, I'm just reporting st- the facts. I don't understand how you say you don't start the process. You start the process by saying, ooh. Let's look for something that will trigger the shit out of James. No, I was just reading art news and this came up. Well, that's the fir- your first problem. I hate art news. That is a just god-awful website. The word mark is terrible. Uh-huh. Capital A-R-T, lowercase news. Looks like shit. Come on. If you're an art site, put some effort into it. Literally, I mean, it looks like complete shit. The other thing that bothers me... I do like some of their articles. Well, I haven't found one that I've liked so far. It <laughs> seems really superficial and stupid. Well, they are. But, they kind of just give you a little... It, this was kind of more than a tease, though, and I just... Talk about the article since you're so duly triggered. Online art investment platform Masterworks. I can barely go on after the, having to say Masterworks, mm-hmm. but Masterworks gets boost from investors and $1 billion valuation. $1 billion. Mm-hmm. It's like how... Uh, Seems like it's just nothing these days to get a billion dollar valuation. So it's an online investment platform that was founded in 2017 that sells shares in blue chip art. It's using all those words very loosely. Right. But I mean, well, what was the gist for you? I mean, we don't have to discuss it in any detail, but. Well, the funny part is, as I was reading the beginning part of what they're doing, I'm thinking, they're try- are they trying to securitize artwork? And then literally the very next sentence is them saying they're trying to securitize artwork. Uh, if you remember, that's what kind of got us into trouble in the housing bubble when a bunch of these really smart, quote, smart stock people, mm-hmm. investment banker dum-dums, right. thought, hey, you know what? If we take a bunch of house loans and put the mortgages and put them all together, that will equalize, you know, some, sure, some will go bad, but some will make a lot of money, so, right. or make the regular return on investment, so that securitizes them by adding the good and the bad together, kind of uh, evens things out and makes them quote, secure, so that you don't have to worry about losing all your money. Which, of course, drove a crazy gold rush mentality, and then they were selling homes to people who couldn't afford them. And then, you know, if you have 99% of the people defaulting in their mortgages, it doesn't matter how many of those are securitized. You can't securitize against that. Right. That's what they're trying to do with artwork. Literally artwork. Like, they buy a famous Picasso or Matisse, and then they sell off shares in it, essentially. Right. Because the art world, that's where all the money is being made. If you're in the art world and you have to say consistently outperforms the stock market, you should know that there's something wrong with your idea of what the art world is. Like if I bought a piece of art, I would just want to look at it. Maybe I'm very simple, Simon, you know, or it should be hanging in a museum. And why does everyone have to get their paws on it and stick their, their fingers in it and, and get a piece of the action? You know, they listed a lot of the artists who were involved, Basquiat being one of them, and they're just selling whoa, 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 off whoa, whoa. pieces. Be of, careful. What? Be careful. You say you say, you say that, oh, the, the artists involved. Oh, not the artists. Like the artists have something to do with this, which. No, the artists aren't involved. Some of them aren't even, most of them probably well, aren't most even of them are alive. Dead. Yeah, they're dead. And so it's like you're taking someone's work and profiting off it. I mean, it's bad enough. I mean, you know, to me, like a lot of artists or most artists, you know, 
often make the most money when they're no longer <laughs> on this planet, okay? And so that's bad enough. But then to just take it and sell it is bad enough. Like people sell the art, and then now they're cutting it up and selling it, and someone else is profiting. Well, they're not big time. technically cutting it up. No, no, t- cutting up the profits, cutting up pieces, making shares of it. I mean, how many right. shares of a Basquiat or a Van Gogh or a James piece do, <laughs> do, do you, I mean, where does it end? How many shares do you get? And the answer, the answer to that is as many as they can sell. Right. And so it's this infinite, another infinite con game? Of course. Wasn't that obvious from the beginning that this was some kind of con? And this is my, this is my favorite thing though, right? Because the art world is so unscrupulous. Mm-hmm. This is what I would, this is how my idea of how I would set this up. I would buy a couple of artworks. I would, you know, buy the cheapest Picassos and, and Rembrandts and what, well, maybe mm-hmm. not Rembrandt. I don't know if there are any cheap Rembrandts. Oh, actually there are cheap Rembrandts. Because there are some reproductions of Rembrandt's, but from their his original plates, mm-hmm. I ran into this in uh, what was that somewhere in New Mexico, Santa Fe. Santa Fe. I walked into a gallery there, and they had some uh, quote original Rembrandt prints, and oh, I was wow. like, "Wow, it's amazing you had these." And then I looked at the fine print and says, "Wait a second, these are new prints." And the the gallerist was like, "Yes, we we had we secured the plates, and we've been making new prints from the plates." And I'm thinking. You can't call them Rembrandts unless Rembrandt printed them. Right. Because the, it's not just the plate that's the Rembrandt. It's the process of printing them. Because right. when you oil a, a plate, a lot of work goes in. A lot of the mm-hmm. artistic skill and craft goes into the just the, the printing of it. Mm-hmm. You can't call these Rembrandts unless he did them. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they are from the Rembrandt plates. It's like, oh, my God, you're such a piece of shit. Wow. So nonsense keeps going on. Anyway, this is the art world. So my point being, I would I would buy you know these copy Rembrandts uh, and a bunch of uh, as much junk as I could basically, but had, that had good names attached to them. Mm-hmm. I would sell shares in them, like, you know, a thousand shares for a thousand dollars each or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care; it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would find some country that does not have a extradition agreement with the United States, <laughs> run off there, sell the artwork. And live off of basically doubling my profits because, like, you know, I get the money from selling the artwork plus all these stupid people who who bought shares in the artwork. Who's going to stop me? Maybe the Security and Exchange Commission. Hence, I'm off to Ecuador, which I think Ecuador doesn't. I don't know. I don't. I have not had a need to look into extradition places. So. Well, see, now I've given you a a reason. Oh no, no, no. I I guess this this company they do register the individual work with the United States SEC. Well, they have to. Yeah. And then investors are able to buy shares in the pieces. So then, so not an individual place owns this. No one really owns these works other than this company. Well, the company owns the works, but this is the most ridiculous thing to buy a share in because when you buy a share in a company, there's actual tangible assets that, it, that and, and there's a board that's responsible for it. There are all kinds of laws and regulations right. and safeguards in place so that it can't be abused. But literally, no one can come in and steal a company, but mm-hmm. someone can come in and steal this artwork. And then it's gone. And then you have zero value. Well, my question was, and maybe they, maybe they just. This is not the kind of thing that you you sell shares in. That's what I was thinking. And and like, how do they reap their money? So you sell, you buy shares in it. And then where does the money come back? I mean, how are they generating income? Because if you buy shares in other companies, like there's income generated and you get your reports and. Oh, naive, naive, Catherine. Wall Street does not make money off of companies making money. Wall Street makes money off of transaction fees. Oh, I don't know anything. See, I don't do the stock market. I, I can't imagine like how anyone's getting a return on their investment buying shares in this art. 
that's the dirty little secret that came out, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. They were looking at Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is supposed to be the gold standard for online, or not online, uh, is supposed to be the gold standard for traders and Wall Street people, right? Mm -hmm. right? And it turned out most of their profit was coming simply from transactions, buying and selling of stocks for their clients. Not their their investment stuff, but actually just the transaction fees. Wow. I guess it's triggered me to some extent. I knew for sure it would trigger you, and I just wanted you to read it. I don't remember the specific number, but it's something like less than 1% of stock traders beat the average annual market. I have no idea. So if the market goes up 6%, an average stock trader, will only, his his picks will only go up 4 or 5%. They're just really bad. Enough of what that. What else do, is there to say? No, no. No, not I'm enough. sorry. I had, I had a few other... <laughs> Your thoughts about these scum-sucking vampires, they're just, they're sucking every ounce of value they can find, whether it's there or not, and conning people into buying it. One of the things I thought was really interesting was that they they said in passing that this company also has a range of other uh, uh, things that they invest in, including sports and pop culture memorabilia and retail. Wow. that's That's not a lot of other things. That's just basically baseball cards and, quote, retail, which doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, and now art. So art is like a baseball card, basically. Yeah. Where are these pieces housed? Are they in museums? Are they out for loan? Are they hanging in their own museum? Are they in storage? Like, where are these works held? That is an excellent question, and the answer to which I do not have. Earlier, you were talking about chopping these things up, and I was thinking, what's the logical next step of this, Catherine? After you've after you secu- quote securitize, and again, they don't even understand the meaning of the word securitize because mm-hmm. that's not really securitizing the work. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's the re- the logical next step, Catherine? Because I know what it is. Do you? Well, cutting them up and making decoupage. Well, that would be one way to do it. You could actually cut up the artwork and send it off to the people who bought pieces of it. I mean, that would be <laughs> that to me seems like an on artwork I could get written up in art news for if I went in and stole one of these paintings cut it up and then send it to all the investors like you know 1% of it you you get three threads from the Picasso painting uh, and this is this is your work this is what you bought the obvious next step here Mm -hmm. is to actually chop up the artist themselves and sell them off you're not buying a Picasso you're buying Picasso oh my god isn't that obvious how how what's the, this is the obvious next step and and no obviously oh, for God. those trekkies this will found this will sound normal because this is what the Ferengis do they they actually uh, auction off their their remains after they die because you you know the Ferengis right Bare, barely barely do you not watch Star Trek I no why are you on this podcast this is all about <laughs> this is a Star Trek podcast I mean <laughs> I know we haven't talked about Star Trek yet but this is a, everything to this point I watched it way back in the day I remember the Ferengis I can see, see what they look like in my God, they were so eye. funny that was so pathetic they, you know they were supposed to be when the next next generation came out in the late 80s I think it was right. uh, the Ferengi was supposed to be the new villain you know they're supposed to replace the Romulans or the um, Klingons whomever you want to pick and they were just so so stupid looking and so dumb as a concept that eventually they just became the butt of the jokes. Literally. Yeah, I mean, they had butt heads. They did. Their heads are literally butts <laughs> with big ears. I know. I know. No, I did watch Star Trek back in the day. I just tried to forget most of it. Why? I don't know. It was just so hammy, particularly the, the original ones. I mean, it's just The original like, one, there are some bad episodes, but most of it's pretty good. Yeah, they are, they are good for that time and... For that time. <laughs> it's like... 
I mean, well, it it just encapsulates that time, doesn't it? With a lot to of some the, degree. the social. You, I mean, you can see a lot. You can see some of it. Yeah, and there's a lot of social commentary. And oh yeah, I mean that's the whole point. That's of the whole Star point Trek. of Star Trek. It's, it's thinly veiled social commentary. Right. Right. We'll have to do an episode on Star Trek. I'll bone At up. least the good parts of Star Trek. Most, you know, st- a lot of Star Trek devolves into just, oh, let's go kill the Romulans. Shoot. Right. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I'm sorry I triggered you again, but sorry, not sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. This, I think this is what you live for now. No, it's just. It's not. It's no, just, it's it's just not a my, delightful little cupcake. Well, it's like if I'm yourself. searching the internet as part of my daily scrolling thing I do um, and I come upon these little gems and I'm like oh I gotta send this to James it is deeply disturbing to me that you know me so well that you can you know exactly <laughs> where to push the buttons yeah well this push my buttons I don't think we're that different and I was like this is just effed well I don't up. know I do get out of the house Catherine so I got out of the different. house okay my, let me tell you the grossest flipping thing oh, I did I was supposed to go to Costco with my friend Susan, and mm-hmm. um, she wanted me to take her to Costco. I was going to get gas. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I woke up, and I'm like, I don't want to flip and deal with groceries today. I'm done. I've got stuff here. I'll eat Cheerios. I don't care anymore. I said, but I do need to get out of the house. And she's like, well, why don't you come over? And you were talking about starting a garden. So I have a compost pile in my alley that the city of Phoenix wants me to get rid of, but I won't. And I've been fighting with them for 15 years over it. And so um, come and and we'll, we'll get compost out of it and we'll screen it and you can take it home and use it to plant your stuff. It's really good. So I did that. And it was the grossest thing. I mean, there were worms in the compost, James. Worms, you're supposed to have worms in the compost. Oh, my God. They were like weird curly white worms. Oh, uh, you mean maggots? They turn into bugs. Yeah. They were big, like three inches. I don't know all the worms, but generally white worms are more, you know. Bad? More grub than more it was a grub. Than worm. It was a grub. It was gross. It's supposed to be worms. Is this an open pile or is it closed? It's an open pile in her alley. Oh, no, alley. you can't use that. No? No. Why? Because animals probably have been pooping in it. You okay. don't know what's in it. In order to get a clean compost, you have to make sure it's kind of a closed system. You have to know what's going in. And if it's open enough that a cat can come by and piss and poop in it, you can't use that. Okay. Sorry. Oh, God, we worked so hard. I was in the compost pile. I'm so sorry. I was in the compost pile. So I guess you're not much of a gardener. I'm not a gardener. Okay. And yeah, I'm not well, a farmer, is... evidently. It was the grossest thing I've done ever. Ever! That might be a hint that it's wrong. Compost should be a little bit distasteful at times, depending upon what point you get at it, get it at, but it shouldn't really be disgusting or gross like that. It was the La Brea tar pits of compost. I mean, it should just be dirt. Yeah, there was a lot of dirt. Stages. There was a lot of dirt, but there were these worms. And who is this again? Who, my, who my, did this to you? My friend Susan. You you need to have a word with Susan. No. And I think the city is absolutely right. The city should come in and clear that out. She's I mean, adorable. If there are maggots in it. Oh boy. I don't think it's. I don't think they were maggots. They were like three inches big. Okay, that's a big maggot, but who knows what's going on in, in a wild compost heap like that? <laughs> wild compost heap. Oh, so there. Hey, next time go to Costco. Oh, and I had an idea. What? Buy the biggest knife you can find and strap it to your thigh. So when you see Meat Guy again, uh huh, you can just kind of. Show him your bigger knife than he has. Oh maybe my he'll gosh. Walk, walk away. I haven't seen Meat Guy since like my second or third time I went to Costco. Well, he probably got COVID and died. 
Oh my God, don't. Why not? I don't know. Isn't that what COVID is for? A friend of mine who was anti-vax texted me the other day that she got COVID. COVID was sent by God to kill all the anti-vaxxers. Yeah, yeah. and she um, used ivermectin and, and was better after her first dose. No, I'm sure that's absolutely true. Unfortunately, I have an online friend who was I thought was vaccinated, but was not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Neither was his wife or his mother-in-law, and they've all got COVID. And she, last I heard, she was in the emergency room, or oh the my. mother. Oh, no. Did they take ivermectin? Oh, no. They're in the hospital. They don't give ivermectin in the hospital. You know that, right? No, I did know that. Okay. But my friend said that she went to a naturopath in Mesa. Oh, Jesus Christ. And got a, um, she's like, we got the pill form, not the horse paste. And I took how, how one dose. How is a naturopath if, if, if you're getting ivermectin from a quote, I, naturopath? The whole thing didn't make any sense to me, James. And I just texted her back. I'm so glad you're feeling better. Take care. And you she's fucking nut. And she sent me a thumbs up. And, you know, as long as they didn't die, I'm okay with it. You know, I mean, do what you feel you need. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, it's like they won't take the vaccines, but they'll take something that's not approved for viruses. And isn't that crazy? That's the craziest thing ever. It. It's like, you guys, you won't pay attention to any of the real scientists, but the fake scientists who are literally selling ivermectin. Right. This is they're they're pumping it up because they're trying to sell it to you, or they're trying to sell their own remedies to you for a thousand dollars a pop. These are the one, not the people who aren't making anything off of it by just giving you the information. You want the ones who are actually selling you something. Right. Right. With no yeah. scientific background. I mean, there was a recent study. A twenty. They did. They did a meta study of all the ivermectin studies mm-hmm. and found that any ivermectin studies that showed any kind of positive results from ivermectin were either outright fraudulent or deeply flawed. Right. I read the same, probably the same article. But then you have these anecdotal things and like, you know, Joe Rogan was a proponent of it. He said he threw everything at it. Well, and yeah, he threw it. He wasn't exactly a proponent of it. He wasn't, I wouldn't say he was necessarily hard in the anti-vac camp. Or no, I don't think, no, no, he wasn't camp. hardcore. No, he wasn't hardcore. But this gal is hardcore and we've had, it's stressed our relationship on many levels with the beliefs. She sent me a text warning me to not have my folks get the booster because she's read a lot of articles that, you know, horrible things are happening and then said that she and her husband had gotten over COVID three weeks, over a period of three weeks using ivermectin. Well, if you had the vaccine, you wouldn't have to spend three three weeks getting over it. You know, haunted stuff aside or spooky, October, mm. I think some of the scariest stuff is always real life and the scariest and saddest things that have happened to me. And again, only my my perception of this pandemic was seeing these weird divisions and like with people that I held so dear for many, many years. I mean, this person was in my life for over 15, 16, 17 years. You know, we did so many things together and I never knew like A, the fragility of our relationship, or B, how far someone could be pushed to not deal with reality, whether it's scary, whether it's just too hard, whether... They create their own reality. You know, and it's, it's and that, that, that's That's the sad part is you can create this own reality of yours, but it's eventually going to come crashing into real reality, and you're not going to be the better for it. Not you personally, but I'm saying right. people who are... Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And the weird thing was I was kind of waiting for that text or a call. I was like, um, or some note on Instagram or something, you know, I was waiting for it because, you know, not being vaccinated and quote unquote, I'm getting on with my life. I don't I want to get on with my life more than anybody. Well, Catherine, as long as you do your own research to determine whether or not it's right for you and your family, then I think you're okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm research like either of us. I mean, you you probably are actually um, 
not authorized. You are authorized to do your own research, Catherine. Thank you, no, James. I, I meant intelligent enough to do it because mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're a nurse. You have that, that medical background. I don't, so I have to I have to look to the experts who I trust, like doctors, practitioners, scientists, the CDC, small people like that. Well, that's exactly who I look to when you follow the actual science. And anyone who's not getting the vaccine, I wish they would. And I wish they would put this nonsense aside. And the people that I have held dear in my life, even though our relationship has changed, I still don't wish them any ill. And I was really saddened and, you know, kind of scared. And it's like, is this really over? Because some of these people, you know, it sounds like it probably is over for her. And I hope she has some natural immunity, you know, on that. But um, yeah, it's not as good as as the uh, vaccine, though. Right. I mean, I've read different sides of that argument, but I think uh, that... It's pretty clear. The studies have shown that uh, if you've had COVID, it's mm-hmm. still good to get the vaccine because I think right. it's somewhere between two and three times more resistant if you've had the vaccine, if you get that vaccine rather than just the natural immunity. Right. They're golden. Like if you had a mild case and then you, you get like one, even one dose, you know, they really mm-hmm. do have more sustained immunity than those of us who've just, you know, relied on the vaccine. But why why flip a coin? Why throw a die? You know, why? Of course, the, iron, the irony of this is, you know, the, all these people complaining about the lockdowns and having to do mandates and masking and, you know, they can't, mm-hmm. do, they can't do certain things. Well, you know, in Spain, Spain just reached 80%, so they've opened up their country again, and mm-hmm. it's totally normal. If you would just get vaccinated, we could move on with our lives. Right, you but wouldn't have to wear a mask anywhere. Everything would be open again. Yes, people would still be getting it, but it's such small numbers that, you know, it'd be manageable. It'd be manageable. It would be, it still would be a lot better than the number of people who get murdered every year by guns or car accidents. Right. I I was just talking to someone else about, you know, who also knows this person. And this person I held dear for so many years. And, um, and still, I, you know, I miss the person that I hung out with. I mean, this is a different person now, you know, and my other friend was like, and now it just shores up the whole concept that, you know, they're okay. It's scary because they could get COVID again and, you know, maybe not well, have are they, such you a know, good... how sick they get and are there any know. lasting consequences? And my friend, unfortunately, and his wife both apparently lost their taste and sense of smell, which, Jeez. you know, obviously you can survive that. But that sounds like a totally terrible thing to have happened to you. And I think I it sounds horrid. I, I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks, but uh, next time I, I'm going to interview him and see... You know, how he's feeling about that? Does he has he come back, or what's going on with that? There, you know, there are long term consequences for a lot of people. There are long term consequences. That's what I'm saying. Like, why why flip a coin on that? It's just, you know, how do we start talking about COVID? Oh God, who knows? Oh God. How about how about artist of the week? Artist of the week. That was awesome. Talk about that. That was amazing. I look at a website called thisiscolossal.com because uh-huh. it's a nice blog format of art stuff that's going on, but it's mostly about shows and artists who are coming out with new work. Right. And I don't know what the percentage is, but probably I'm going to just say 50% of it's junk because 50% of, you know, art world is junk. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I find these wonderful gems on there and that's why I keep looking at it because it's easy to scroll through the junk and get the beautiful stuff. You know, we've been so negative on this show about the art world, where I have anyway. And so I came across last week. I usually do it on the weekends. I usually scroll through a bunch of days on the weekends uh, for the, the Colossal.com. Or this is Colossal.com. And on the homepage, which had maybe 10 posts, I loved every single piece, which was really unusual. But one of them that really caught my eye was, uh, I think she's a Spanish artist called, mm-hmm. named, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, but it's Cinta Vidal. And this will link it uh, from the website. She's basically surrealist. Uh, and right. It's like a surrealist MC Escher. I know that's 
Redundant. No, that's exactly what I thought. Well, I MC saw Escher a lot of, is, yeah. is a surrealist too. Right, but, right. And I love MC Escher, but this is like MC Escher with a little bit more humanity in it. Because Escher is really abstract, I think, or mm-hmm. he's very analytical in my right, mind. Right, right. When Sinta here infuses it with with humanity, and it's also so subtle. You don't even necessarily... I look at her works, and there's nothing jarring about it, even though I'm looking at one of her works, and literally, it's an interior space, inter, interior apartment space, and there's a, a woman sitting on the couch, or a person, I don't remember what exactly what it was. It's a a person sitting on the couch, and then on the ceiling, flipped uh, you know, 180 degrees, is someone working at a table. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel forced or weird it just feels normal and kind of i get a sense of comfort from it i did too that's interesting that you say that because that's exactly how i felt i looked at it and i was like wow you kind of want to go into that space and she is such the focal point but then all of a sudden the whole world like opens up around her my eye instantly went to the figure it's pretty much almost the center of the painting the center bottom of the painting. And then so from her, and then I started my my perusal of the painting. And I just found it very soothing. I like the details that she puts in, in terms of, you know, because Escher is so linear in so many ways. And this is really detailed and with the color. I mean, I just really like this. Escher is more about the geometry. I think he's just so focused on the geometry. And it's beautiful work. But this takes it, this, you know, takes that element and just puts it in subtly. And it's, well, how can I say this other than it It makes me want to go to there, to use a, a Tina Fey phrase. Uh-huh. I want to go to there. Right. <laughs> That's how I, I felt. I wanted that. to be in the room. I, yeah, I know. I, I love Tina to, Fey. I do, too. I wanted no, like, to, I li- I'm, no, like I'm literally in love with her. Oh, are you? <laughs> oh. I just was taken with the details, even the cat on the couch that's on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part. It's partly because she humanitizes her painting so much. There's so hu- there's so much humanness in it. It's just such a casual scene of mm-hmm. life, right? And all the little details just show you the human life that we have. And you know, there's a cat there. So who's gonna? Say, well, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna ever say no to a cat. But she has an amazing drafting ability. So she yes. drafts these people with a, a kind of a subtle softness which is very engaging, very easy to get sucked into. Mm-hmm. And then the color is exactly the same thing. It's a subtle palette, and yet it's not muted, really. It's muted and subtle, but at the same time, it's vibrant. I know that's a hypocritical thing to say, but no, not hey, really. that's what it is. And the other thing that really comes through in a lot of her works is that she has a total command of light. Mm-hmm. She is an amazing painter of light. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the paintings on the back wall? Some of them are ups- upside down. Uh, I didn't. Because I, I was looking at a lot of different works, and she actually has some bla- on her website. She has a wonderful website. Uh, oh, I'll have she to has check some, it out. She has some black and white sketches mm-hmm. that are for you to print out in color if you want. Oh wow! And those are beautiful too, because when you take the complexity of color out of that out, you you can kind of focus more on the geometry. Mm-hmm. It's a little more Escher-y. Escher-y. Right. Yeah, I really, Escher-esque. yeah, I really got the Escher component with oh, yeah. the movement. But I mean. it's not derivative. It's no, just, it's not it derivative. Uses that. As just one element of a very complex system of different parts that come together to make a really uh, engaging and delightful whole. Yeah. So I, I love, I just love the doll, this, this woman, this woman's work. And I, like I said, I think she's Spanish and uh, she must be old because she has a Hotmail account. Oh. You kids even know Hotmail? I never used Hotmail. But it was one of the original, not one of the original, but one of the early email services. 
that was eventually bought by Microsoft. Oh. And now it's nothing because Microsoft destroys everything they buy. Ah. Thanks, Microsoft. I mean, who who uses Skype anymore? <laughs> right. I'm looking at her piece called Eventide. Oh, yeah. It's, it, the thing is, she extends this out to interiors, exteriors of this buildings. Exterior. She, she would basically take a, make a, take a, a building and wrap it in and, in and on itself. But mm-hmm. she also has like a, a beautiful camping scene where it's kind of like a rock and you see people camping all over different aspects of it and different mm-hmm. slopes and different areas and upside down and as someone who camps, it would be really nice sometimes to be able to actually set your camp up 90 degrees to someone else. <laughs> Just because. Landscapes. I don't camp. I'm not camping after yesterday. That does not surprise. You don't have to camp in compost. <laughs> I didn't think about the open versus closed system of composting. Oh, geez. Well, I don't know what uh, the technical terms, but you have to know what's going in and you have to keep out the bad stuff. Because oh, guess what? Cute. There's a lot. There's a lot of nasty stuff in the feces of dogs and cats and other animals that you you can't put that any anywhere near your food source. You can't okay. grow food out of it. Okay. Point taken. That's that's why we have Point. all these. I, I spent all this time creating fencing around our uh, garden beds here uh-huh. in my house at our house to keep the cats out so they won't poop in it. Because if they poop in it, then we can't eat it out of it. How is your garden? Well, that's my wife's concern, and that's okay. you know. she grew some things this year but they didn't come out quite as well as we'd hoped she had a great harvest of kale was it kale some kind of leafy green vegetable Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some lettuce as well oh nice but then the carrots didn't really come out well they grew like crazy but then the carrot literally like it was like half inch white carrot for six months of growing i know that carrots can be disappointing i told you when i was growing when i lived in central phoenix with my partner, and he would grow all this stuff, and we got mm. attacked. It was like the attack of the nematodes, which I didn't even know what a nematode was, but they ate all the carrots, and the carrots that they didn't eat, the dog ate, so they just mm. dug them up. And well, so at least we someone never... was eating them. Yeah, well, I got to buy them at Safeway. So anyway, I like her work. That was really interesting. So from Vidal to Goya? We had thought about doing some spooky paintings. I thought there'd be a plethora of like haunted items, museums, painting. If there's nothing on the internet that is remotely interesting. The internet is just a toxic sludge dump now. It's like an open compost pit. Just don't go there. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy. So I was thinking in my head, mm-hmm. the only thing, the only painting that really sticks out in my head when I think of horror or something that makes me feel at the very least uncomfortable and somewhat horrified is Goya's painting of Saturn devouring his son. It is horrifying. And Goya's kind of a weird guy because on the surface, if you just look from a mile away at his paintings, he looks kind of childish, almost a little bit on the level of monk. But when you get closer, you can really see that the the detail of his brushwork is really amazing. And what looks to be kind of a simplistic painting is actually very detailed and has a lot of depth and a lot of skill in the painting of it. But then you get to this piece, Saturn devouring. So that's a god. Mm-hmm. And the, the myth goes that, uh, and I think this is supposed to be Zeus. I get confused with the mytho- mythology and the, the changing yeah, I don't, the names. Yeah, but they, I, be- I, I believe it's Zeus, or maybe it was Kronos, who is who eats his children because the there's a prophecy that one of his children will dethrone him. Mm-hmm. And so he eats the children as they come out, which, you know, okay, Greeks, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that imagery. So this painting is of a monstrous Zeus or Kronos or let's just stick with Saturn devouring his his, his son. And it hits me on several levels. First, it's dark like a Goya would normally be dark. Right. And it starts with the bug eyes. The bug eyes almost look a little bit over the top to me, but you look a little bit closer and then you see the whole expression of the face. And it's almost like 
he's horrified by his, his own actions. Like he's, I get this overwhelming sense by the expression on the face that he is horrified at the same time he can't stop. Right. The other thing that really kind of jumps to my mind nowadays is that I see this deformed figure of Saturn Mm-hmm. And it really looks, um, it reminds me of a lot of the monsters that we see in modern movies, like Stranger Things, that kind of awkward, jaunty, weirdly constructed uh, um, monsters. Right. Uh, this is what it looks like. It looks like a really weirdly put together, massive human. And then he's grasping on the corpse of his child as he's eating him. And you can just see the strain in the fingers as it's digging. Oh God, I can't even go on. I can't go on. Well, it's digging it's into much. the body. Yes, Ugh. and his. It's just almost like. And when I saw that, and knowing some of the mythology, I think mythology does like confound me to some extent because the Greeks or the Romans, they all have different names for the same gods. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, is it Zeus? Is it Saturn? Who the heck is it? Talk about cultural appropriation. Right. Right. But like in, in terms of like the devouring of multiple progeny, it's almost like to me, it's like his body became deformed with the like the evil of doing that or the right. the, the act of doing that. Not necessarily and evil. I, that's calling it out. Like what was he before these acts started or did this start morphing him into some like almost disarticulate, not disarticulate, but the articulations. I mean, the limbs are all wrong. The bones are too long. It's gangly. It's weird. You know, is this changing him just to hold on to power? That's a that's a great take. And I, that's a very easy, superficial way to start. A grotesque painting is just, oh, well, I'm just going to deform the person. But usually that's just comes off as being superficial. But right. this, he, he's such a master at painting the form that you believe that the deformity that you're seeing on the canvas is speaking to the soul of the creature. Right. It Saturn. looked like a metamorphosis to some extent to me. So the whole point we're, of we're talking about this is because this is horror in painting. This is horror in painting. This is, quote, this isn't even spooky. This is just creeps the shit out of me. Right. It's hard to look at. The crazy thing is he painted this for his own home. He hanged this in his home. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I wouldn't want to want, look at that every day. And the Hell stuff that it no. brings up, you know, it's not just that it's kind of a grotesque depiction, albeit, you know, masterfully executed. Um, the image is just so off-putting and well, so it, layered that I couldn't look at this every day and have that in my face. There's no Here's way. the thing. Some artists are really messed up. Mm. And I think this is an indication of that. And, you know, maybe you don't want to hang out with artists. <laughs> maybe it's a good thing that we're not artists. <laughs> maybe it's a good thing. Now, maybe it's a good thing. I think I'd love to hang out with Cinta if she wasn't, but she's probably too busy painting. Oh, she's amazing. And I would not want to get in her way. No. Goya, just as a, you know, his works I always have found fascinating, but not viewable over time. I wouldn't want to look at most of it. God, no. And you know that, um, was it the 4th of 3rd or 4th of May that he has? That's one mm-hmm. of his most famous paintings. Right. Uh, and that's a masterpiece too. But as you look at it just superficially, uh, it doesn't look that impressive. It looks almost like childish a little bit because mm-hmm. the forms are really rounded and, and it's just kind of a slapdash. But it's very impressionistic. And that's mm-hmm. you really start looking finally at the painting details. He, he, he creates the eyeball by a couple of just dashes of paint. Mm-hmm. And that, that takes a lot of skill to do that. Let me see. I'm going to actually look this up to see wh- which one it was. Because um, I know he had, he has several like date painted paintings. Oh, yeah. It's the the 3rd of May, 1808. So this is during the Spanish Civil War. I think it was a civil war. One of the wars. One, some horrible war. Yeah, and this is one of the signature pieces. It looks almost childlike, but when you actually look at it very carefully, and yeah, there's a lot of connotations in the work. I don't want to <laughs> dissect it, but... 
you got to look closely at goyas to really appreciate them. You do. Well, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Well, I'm glad you thanked me because, like I said, this is not an easy thing to look at. No, it's not an easy thing to look at. But since we were talking about doing spooky stuff. I just want to get back to Cinta. <laughs> yeah, get back to Cinta. Let's end on a happy note. Yeah, I'm just saying I just want to look at her work again. I'll get on her website after we wrap this because I just found her stuff very impressive. So I'm looking at the lead piece from the Colossal uh, article, which is the uh-huh. interior apartment. Now right. I counted four cats, but I may have missed one. I don't know. Oh, I think it may be a fifth. It's there's hard to see fifth. this, this there, level of detail. Yeah, there's five cats. There's one on a couch one, two, above three, her. Four, five, six. There may be six. Oh, there are six because there's one on the guy's desk. Yeah, I can't see that's the detail. The picture isn't high enough. The resolution isn't high enough for me to tell if that's just a lot. No, I think that's a cat. Wow, six cats. That's crazy. Six cats. I'd be sneezing. Well, that sucks for you. It does. It does. I had a cat once, one cat once, and that's enough. You know what would be great about COVID if it made if it killed your uh, your allergies, right? If it kills your sense of taste, can't it just kill your oh, allergies? Oh, God. <laughs> COVID. Well, I hope your friend does well. Are they all in yeah, the hospital? Yeah, I hope so. No, no, no. Just the the mother-in-law, and that was a few, that was a while back, or a couple, several days ago now. So I don't know what the update on that is. And uh, I, I am deeply curious about whether or not he's going to regain his sense of taste and smell, because, like I said, that seems like a really nasty thing to give up. I think that's the crazy horrible. thing about his wife works at a casino. Oh man! And she wasn't vaccinated either. I can't believe she worked at a casino and wasn't vaccinated. That's just nutty to me. Why would you do that? I just, I don't get it. And I just want people to wake up. I follow this physician on YouTube, Duck Vong, V-U-O-N-G. He's amazing. He talked today about the, he does like daily COVID updates when there's news. He doesn't always talk about it if there's not. And they're just short. And he talked about the myocarditis today. I would encourage mm-hmm. anyone to, who's listening to tune into his YouTube. It's D-U-C-V-U-O-N-G. And he talked about the myocarditis and really looking at published work in the New England Journal of Medicine. He goes, these are peer-reviewed, like doctors look at this to actually get their information. And over like 5.1 million doses of these um, mRNA vaccines, and there were like less than 200 cases of myocarditis, only seven were severe. Five million, where are you looking at five million? That's a fraction of... It was from Israel. It was an Israeli, Israeli data. And he's like, so if you're looking at 5.1 million people getting vaccinated and like 138, K, whatever, it was a very minute fraction of the millions. Yeah, and that's, that's the, they're not <clears throat> resulting in death. They're just Right. He said one case resulted in death. And then people are like, oh, that's too many. He goes, yeah, <laughs> like 4.1 million people have died you know, um, worldwide, you know, 700,000 in this country from COVID. And that's not too many. You're going to worry about one. And then he talked about... That's the problem with our with our perception of of our risk perception. Right. Human risk perception is right. completely terribly skewed. If we right. think it can be prevented, we overestimate how important it is versus something random like getting in your car is a thousand times, probably more than a thousand times more dangerous than getting the vaccine, but you don't think about getting in your car because you do it every day. Right. You're far more likely to get shot today than you are to have any kind of bad reaction to co- the COVID. God, particularly in this country. I'm sorry. Yes, I was going to say for our U.S. listeners, mm-hmm. that's how it works. <laughs> that so, is so I don't sad. Know, are you wearing your Kevlar jacket? No. Well, you might get stabbed if you go to Costco. Oh my gosh! By the way, Grandma. Grandma. You were talking about YouTube, and YouTube is for old people now. Oh, YouTube's you, for old people. All the kids people? are on TikTok. I, but TikTok doesn't. I don't know. Doctor Eric B will give you more. Inf- oh, and cat epidemi- epidemi- cat epidemiologist. Right. Thank you. 
there's plenty of good content on TikTok. It's so easy to find bad content, but there's plenty of good content okay. on there as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he still does stuff on Facebook Live, and I don't do Facebook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's even worse than YouTube. Jesus, you're getting I, older by the second. No, I don't do Facebook. I've never liked it. I don't. I find it ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's totally gross. Uh, how, how affected were you by their blackout this last week? Zero. I, cause I don't, Zero. Same here. Yeah, I don't, I don't rely on that. Even when my uncle passed away a couple of weeks ago, my cousin's like, I put some stuff on, on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not on Facebook. I never saw the efficacy or the necessity of Facebook. It's like yeah. I'm still. I maybe I'm super old fashioned, but I prefer no, 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 like no. when it, you call Facebook me. Facebook is now old fashioned. Yeah, I just no, I just never connected with the platform. Twitter was my jam. I just was making a joke about you know the kids being on TikTok and the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll look at it again. I just keep getting junk. I guess I'm not good at training yeah. its algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, none of it works for me actually, and I just okay. want to live in my own bubble. Well, that sounds like a good place to end it then. In your bubble, <laughs> in go back to your bubble. bubble and make sure in that bubble has no compost in it. Okay. That really horrified you, didn't it? <laughs> Not horrified. It's grossed me out. <laughs> it was gross. It was gross. Okay. Well, thank you, James. Have a Toodles. lovely day. Bye. You too.